The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Tēnā koutou katoa no mai haramaiki, Dietary Requirements, the Spin-Off's Food Podcast. Every fortnight we get together to talk about the cultural, social and political role of food in Aotearoa and break bread with some of the buzziest people in the local scene. Today as always I have the Spin-Off's Food Editor Alice Neville in the house. Kia ora Alice. Kia ora Simon. This week, uh, Sophie is so late, she hasn't even <laughs> arrived, and she's on the phone halfway <laughs> back from Hamilton, uh, somewhere after Narawahia, um, where she's been at the Foodstuffs Expo Schlangen Chicken. Kia ora, Sophie. Hi, Simon. Did it feel How nostalgic to be back in the chicken game? Do you know what? I got a text from my husband yesterday morning, and it said, go smash it today, babe. You know more about chicken than most people who were born for this. <laughs> oh, wow. The, like the absolute deep romance of marriage. Yeah. So, so how, how many servings of chicken did you get through? We have been literally firing out samples at pace for two days. So 6,000 samples have gone out. Wow. Um, and we, found, we did a variety of um, Kegel products. But lots of their new stuff in the freezer, which is actually really cool. I'm very felt very proud to have influenced you into um, promoting the Teagle Rangatiki uh, Kariagi chicken range. So thank you for pushing my favourite uh, frozen chicken product. That's free range, right? Honestly, free range. Good. Yeah, yeah, totally. But when you said that, I thought that sounds like a ridiculous thing. But over the last two weeks, because we've been sent a lot of product, um, the Rangatiki uh, Korean fried chicken is the one that we were sampling um, and we made like a little kimchi fried rice and it had spring onion and sesame seed garnish and we made little pickled cucumbers and it was absolutely delish. It was our favourite one. I'm proud of you. Keep keep pimping that product hard. Uh, I love it. So today Good. we're going to be talking about the joy of cooking at home and how to feed uh, a whole lot of people at once. And we're joined by extra special guest Polly Marcus of Miss Polly's Kitchen Instagram fame. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Hello. Polly is also a good friend so of Sophie and mine. <laughs> She's a wonderful laugh. 
One day we need to just ban you guys from having any more friends on the podcast. Get more friends, Alice, and you can invite them on. I have lots of friends. Now we've had Ginny. Yeah. I've got heaps more we can have. Just you wait. But Polly's uh, like independently, deservedly a a guest Yes, absolutely. She has 18,400 followers on her Instagram. How does it, you know, is it a burden being famous? (laughs) I'm not saying this. No, it's not. It's very um, impressive. The only thing I think that, um, well, I guess I only started it a year ago in lockdown, but um, is I'm a terrible at spelling. I, I claim to be slightly dyslexic. I'm just not good at English in general. And I, um, I think I find that a burden that there's a lot of people looking at things and sending me, notes saying, oh, you spelt that wrong, or oh, do you mean this, or where do you put the coriander? Because <laughs> you missed it out. You should hire me. <laughs> so I, have your I posts. ever slid into your DM for some grammatical correction? Um, no, which surprises me. <laughs> yeah, I've done, I've done, I do it quite a lot to people that I know, because I'm like, come on, like lots of people are seeing that. I feel like I'm doing them a favour. Good work, Soph. Yeah, I did one the other day, and it was meant to say, pat the prawns dry. Once they were defrosted, and it just said, "Pay your prawns, <laughs> pay your prawns well, fairly." <laughs> Speaking of people showing up in your DMs, have you, as your follower count has grown, has have you seen a, a rise in um, douchebags in the DMs? There's been a couple of grubs, but nothing too outrageous. <laughs> oh, good. So Polly is also uh, a brand new spin-off collaborator. She is uh, working on us with a partnership with Freedom Farms, cooking up some stunning pork recipes. The first, a delicious pork loin with red curry sauce, is available on her Instagram page and the spinoff.co.nz. Speaking of our wonderful sponsor, it's an w- easy segue into thanking them. Uh, and it can also allow Polly to take off her sweater in this very warm uh, studio. The podcast and all our food coverage on the spin-off would not be possible without the support of Freedom Farms. They believe that everyone who eats meat has a responsibility to know how that animal has been raised and their pork, bacon and free-range eggs are delicious. So please go and buy them because uh, that'll keep us doing this cool podcast. So Polly, what was the inspiration behind Miss Polly's Kitchen and why did you... You know, because it, it, it must be time consuming and feel like a, a, a lot of work sometimes. Like, why did you decide to, to take that on? Well, in, oh, I feel like I hate saying lockdown, but in that first lockdown, I, so I'm a real estate agent. Um, that's my job. And obviously that came to a crashing halt um, in April last year. So Not lots of people signing commercial leases. No, they were just the... pulling out, like, we don't need an office. We don't. I was like, cool, cool, cool. Been working with you for a year. That's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was at home, obviously, a lot. Um, Felix was upstairs <laughs> working away, quite stressed. And I, I have... I, I, realised that I need to see people in general. So I was going to the supermarket every single day just so I could have that human interaction. Um, and then it was actually Nick from Everybody Eats who I, – I had a food page called Miss Polly's Kitchen that I'd started to post recipes for my family um, and just because I always asked for inspiration. Um, but I'd never really done anything with it. And he was doing a recipe for Everybody Eats and asked if I would do – something for them and that's sort of how it 
kind of took off me talking to a camera, which I felt really awkward about. And then I did that and thought, oh, it's not that hard. And it sort of just started from there. How long I remember, it... Paul, it was actually just before lockdown, saying to you, hey, this could be your opportunity to do your food. Yeah. Because we talked about it. And you were so self-deprecating. You were like, I've got this silly account that no one needs to follow. It's just for my friends. And I was like, it's actually awesome. You should totally share it wide, um, far and wide. Yeah. Well, I just, and I think it was a case of always thinking, oh, no, I'm too busy. I don't have time. But then... I started yeah. doing that every day and then I loved it and now it has just become part of my daily life. Routine. Which is also, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it is a lot of work. It's becoming more work, I guess, as it grows because you're working with brands and, you know, but you've also got a full-time job so you have to sort of juggle everything. I don't have children so I've got that on my side that I'm not juggling that as well. <laughs> what is it though? What is What is the difference about Miss Polly's Kitchen? What do you think has made it so popular? And Because uh, I, I see so often when you share a recipe, two weeks later, people are sending in the photos. People use your um, Instagram page like a cookbook. It's a really functional, helpful uh, food Instagram. Yeah. I guess... Um I mean, I, I, have to, I do have to make a website. That's something I need to do um, because I have a lot of my mum's friends in that age group finding it quite difficult to follow, which is fair enough. Um, on and we've got um, Odette being Odette a bit noisy in the, in the Odette car Odette in the background, there. but that's all right. <laughs> Pipe down, loved. Sorry, carry on, Polly. Um, it's, it's so, yeah, anyway, but um, I guess it's popular because as – I would hope that the recipes aren't too difficult, but I think that you're following them because you're interested in food. So if you were new to cooking, you probably would find a little bit of it or some of the ingredients a little bit overwhelming. And, you you know, I've had friends say, you know, they'd never heard of or ducker and, you know, things like that. And so, but I guess once you realise you can get that from the supermarket and it's actually really accessible and it tastes good. So I, I think it's probably popular because it's... And it's also relatively on the healthy side, which I think... A lot of people are conscious of um, flavor not, first. Yeah, I think your wig night meals are quite light. Yeah, so. um, yeah, flavor first. But I, and then that's yeah. I mean, there's always a lot of ingredients because I feel like you know you have to use a lot of herbs and lemon zest and garlic and ginger and all of those things to make food taste good. So I just think that while they are like relatively advanced, they're not hard. No, if you if you concentrate and 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 do what you say. It's it's they're really easy to put together. It's it's, it's, it's almost different to like an uh, a tough Otto Lingi recipe yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. And you can get everything from New World or, or Faro. Yeah. And I think that I think they're that's part of it. Generous. Yeah, I think there's um, Polly cooks with a lot of herbs and she cooks with a lot of chili. And I think that um, if people are going to go to the effort to make dinner, they want it to be memorable. And I think those are the things that anyone that knows cooking uses a lot of. Um, so it's awesome. She just like decapitates about four bushes of basil every time she makes something. That's good. We need to use more herbs, in my opinion. It changes the it. hot. It can elevate an entire meal, oh, and it can make something yeah. shit yeah. quite mm. good. Even a salad, like when someone makes a salad, I'm like, just add some herbs yeah. to it. It'll change it. Fucking nightmare if you have to, if you have if you can grow them. That's when it's easy. Yeah. Otherwise, you're buying a million little bloody plastic packets at the supermarket. Yeah, I think Or I'm if you can go to a market or green grocer or something yeah. regularly. Do you grow your own herbs? I've got some I'm I've got a few in the um, garden, but I just I go through it like so often. I've actually got a friend of mine um, gave me a whole lot of basil plants and they 
they're wild. So I use a lot of that. But even still, I still buy basil by the pot. <laughs> it's harder. You do you do need to have so much herbs uh, in your garden to keep them functional. Yeah. Or else it's just sort of window dressing. Yeah. I almost feel like the best way to utilise small urban gardens is to either grow tomatoes because you can get so much from such little space, or just grow only herbs. Yeah. There's no point having a little bit of radishes, a little bit of carrots, like some mini leeks. Yeah. Just go all in on herbs. Yeah, no, I agree. My mum does that well. Have you always loved cooking? Is that something you grew up doing? Always. Well, I've always like, loved food. My dad, um, when we were really, really young, we were like, I don't know, five or six, he had quite an extravagant palate, well, you know, um, which made us, for our age, like we used to have scrambled eggs with cream and smoked salmon and dill for breakfast to the point that my sister actually was put off eggs for about 10 years. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, when sushi wasn't a thing, there was no simp peas or anything, that we were eating that. So he really got me into the food side. Have you ever had gout? No. I, oh, no, actually once. I think I gave myself <laughs> instant gout. I was at a work function at Oyster... Where was it? Not Oyster and Chop. Oyster and Chop. And they had an oyster bar... And I honestly think I had about three, maybe four dozen oysters. And then I had to sit down and basically under the top of my pants and I was sweating. <laughs> I was like, I think I'll cook out. The toe just starts. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it's a good measure if you're allowed to be a guest on the podcast or not, if you, you have to have had gout. <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing I really admire about your cooking skill, Paul, is your ability to cook for sort of 10 to 30 people without stressing out. Without looking like you're stressed out, which is an art in itself, um, what would be your biggest tip for helping people who are potentially cooking for a large group for the first time? I, I think, well, being prepared and like having things organised before people come. So things like you know, top all your ingredients, make a salad, don't dress it, put it in the fridge, have and and make dishes that. You know, like in winter, slow-cooked meals, amazing. Do a slow-cooked lamb shoulder. Um, you can have roast vegetables and, you, you know, you can have a salad with that or seasonal vegetables, and that's not difficult and it's impressive. I think um, my go-to is always, like, pastas. They go a long way and they don't have to be difficult and everyone, well, most people love pasta. And then just having a couple of big salads. But I think mostly it's just being prepared. And also, you're the only one that knows if something's running behind schedule or if you've stuffed up this and no one else is aware of it. So there's just no point in, in worrying. Um, but I definitely, I know that a lot of my friends, the issue is the timing of having, you've got this in the oven, but then you've got that cooking and how, how do you get it all together at the same time? Um, I use a lot of tinfoil to keep things warm. <laughs> as long as it's not clear, right? Do you think also it's quite good when you're cooking for a group, like, just make the whole portion? Like, this whole thing where people have a recipe, I just don't... Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah, much fuck that. that. You may as well uh, make the whole lot, and then people can take it for lunch the next day, or someone can oh, yeah. pop it in the freezer and have it for a meal in the future. It just, like, creates a lot of waste, and I think it creates more stress. So I, I think people should just, if you're making something, then just and you've got six people, then double the recipe, and you'll have eight portions, and you can pop them in the freezer for later. Yeah, I could not agree more. I don't know why people try and half it. Like, I, I love make the whole recipe when it's just me eating. 
That's a really interesting uh, topic, I think, Alice, because when Millie goes away and I'm cooking for myself, I can't be fucked. I don't know what it is. I love cooking, but I think I love cooking for others more than mm. myself. Um, do you, what does your nightly routine look like if you're at home um, on your own? Really depends. I go through phases where I am really into cooking and I cook lots of interesting stuff just for myself. And then I go through phases where I really can't be fucked. Like I, right now I'm in a bit of a cooking rut. Like a not cooking? Yeah, not cooking. Like, well, no, I still cook. I always cook if unless I don't. But, you know, if I'm not going out or I very occasionally get takeaways but not very often, I always cook myself something. Like, you know, pasta. Big fan of pasta. <laughs> Or like a little stir fry or something, but so you've been known to have three or four or eight beers before about before dinner time. Yeah, no, that, I don't know what you're talking about. Is that good or bad for your inspiration? Sometimes it's good for my inspiration if I'm just cooking for myself. Sometimes I get quite creative and I'm like, shit, yeah, fusion. I'm just going to throw this in and this in, and also because I really like using up what I have. So sometimes I I would get quite out out the gate, you know, with my cooking. <laughs> But if I'm cooking for other people, I'm more nervous and I don't want to just try things. So then I think the eight beers can can be problematic and I just get like, and I'm, ah, oh, I don't know, it's just not, uh, don't worry about it. Let's just get takeaways. So, yeah, it goes both ways. I wouldn't recommend, I mean, maybe like two drinks, yeah. quite good for creativity, eight, bit far. Yeah. What's the biggest fuck I've up? noticed lately that... Um, that I think if you plan a little bit in advance um, and then cook cook for yourself and cook what you think other people will enjoy and use up what's in the pantry, it's actually quite um, satisfying. I've almost got this new thing where I get excited by frugal things. You know, like I've got this one tin of beans that's been there forever and it's driving me mad. Then I want to put it in dinner and then it's gone and I feel great and I haven't had to go out and buy something too. Oh, I definitely have that. Yeah, I get real satisfaction out of it. I'm really worried you're turning into David, Sophie. <laughs> that's Sophie's husband. I is he famously like frugal? David, David is fam- both famously frugal and famously like Sophie will make a delicious carbonara or something and David will be like... Oh my God, the Fijo relish from three weeks ago is going to be perfect in this oh and stir it through his own <laughs> yeah. portion. And it just, it makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> Please. And, He'll happily sabotage today's meal in favour of not throwing away something from yesterday oh, yeah. by mixing the two together. I mean, I not quite okay. admire that the spirit of that. Speaking of home cooking, David's one of, also one of those people where... Um, Say you have a salad, some roast veggies, and some protein. He will ensure that every forkful has a bit of everything. Oh, oh that's quite and interesting. And if there's like a parsnip, a um, courgette salad, and stack every bit of the, you know, every single bit of the meal will be on every mouthful. Oh, yeah. I do quite like that. Do you save the best mouthful till last? I I smoke my protein um, straight away. I want my steak when it's like there and hot and at its most delicious. And then I'll eat the admin afterwards. A lot of people I, eat I know the plate as well. eat the admin um, first and then enjoy <laughs> the best part. I think um, I mostly eat bowl food, you know, like things all mixed together rather than because I don't eat meat. I don't often have like... But if I am eating, like, at my parents and I'll have, like, fish, potatoes, salad, I don't know. No, I think I mix it up. 
but not enough to be like a small bit of each on every fork. It's wasted waste of time. Have you ever had a gigantic kitchen disaster with lots of people waiting to be fed? Yeah. When I was um, doing, so I worked on super yachts for a couple of years and I'm, so I'm not a formally trained chef at all. And I went for my job interview and there'd been three chefs before me and she, the head chef had said to me, what do you want to cook? I was like, salmon. And I knew I had that. I was like, yeah, I've got this dad recipe. This is good. It's going to be great. Got on the boat that day and she was like, look, the lady yesterday actually cooked salmon. Um, so we've got some duck breasts and I was like, oh, oh God, oh God, oh God, what am I going to do? And I was like trying to Google things, but like Googling when you're in Spain, it just doesn't come up with the same sort of like help that you need. I don't yeah. know what the algorithms are like over there. Anyway, um, I thought that duck was like chicken and it had to be cooked all the way through. Um, so Uh-oh. I'm kind of pretending Uh-oh. that I know how to use these steamer ovens and I'm like, yeah, I've got them, this is good, this is good, I'll just do an Asian style duck. And... I was, like, also Googling how to score it. So I was, like, like, what am I doing? And then, yeah, got to that part, seared it, and then put it in the oven. I think it was on 180 for 40 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I later learned you can probably get away with 12 minutes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And anyway, as I was slicing it, I was, like, Oh, my God. I basically (laughs) tears in my eyes because I really wanted a job on this boat and there was 15 people downstairs waiting to eat. And it was an absolute disaster. And Felix was on the boat at the time, and he was like, they were trying to eat it, and the boys were trying to be really complimentary. And like, you basically, it was inedible. Like, they were chewing Just it. Like, so dry. It's so like a brown ice it was, hockey puck. It was, it was revolting. Did like, you get the job? I did. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> I made a really nice um, <laughs> raspberry brownie. Inside down with the cold. And so I, um, yeah. Well, I think I think that's myself. also a big part of you, and I'm sorry to use this word. Your brand is you're incredibly charming, Polly. I love the um, the vibe that you present uh, on Instagram. It makes food feel really fun, and I think uh, the fact that you cooked a duck breast for 45 minutes and still got the job <laughs> is a real testimony to that. Um, and I really love it. I think um, people can be overwhelmed by the kitchen and be afraid of cooking. And you kind of break that down by um, the little intros and the way you make it seem exciting again. I call you the Nigella of New Zealand. Um, <laughs> I thought you called Sophie the Nigella of New Zealand. She's the Beyonce of New Zealand. Oh, that's cooking. right, because of the salt, <laughs> yeah. salt in the handbag. Yeah, yeah gotcha. I've got hot sauce in my bag, yeah. swag. Um, but you, you have that same pure joy for food, I think, um, that... Nigella does, and I, I don't know, it makes it really seem really fun. Does, do you think that comes from it being, you know, part of your, your dad that taught you so much about food? Yeah, I think I'm just, I'm I'm a bit of a pig. Like, yeah. I just love <laughs> eating. Like, I, I would actually take, no. Um, it's a really good place to start being good at cooking is to love eating. Well, yeah, I do, and I just get such a kick out of when you make something that's good and you're like, God damn, that's good. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, that's but, just relatable, isn't it, for people who are kind of like, I don't know, I don't know much about cooking, but I fucking love food. Yeah, I don't, and I feel like in the last, I don't know, I guess it's probably is 15, 20 years, there has been such a change with home cooking. Like, my mum wasn't the best cook when we were growing up, but then now she's involved and she's amazing and she loves cooking, whereas when we were at school, she was like, oh, like, we used to have this <laughs> the same pasta every week, so peppers, eggplant tomato sauce spaghetti that was it 
And I was like, if I have to look at that pasta ever again. But now, I mean, if she made it now, I'd love it. Because that sounds, <laughs> sounds pretty quite good. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but not everywhere. I don't think we had pasta at all growing up. <laughs> I had, a, um, I had a, a woman who looked after me after school one day a week. And she made um, mints with no, like, onions or garlic or tomato sauce or anything. Just, like, turned red mints brown in a frying pan. And then just cooked broccoli for about... 15 minutes in oh. boiling water, and I had to eat that once a week. Oh. And it was yellow. Oh, it was, hor- it was horrific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just don't remember, maybe I was seven and I didn't know how to say, like, mum, this this lovely this lady is, okay. is just not okay in the kitchen. We used to get, um, speaking of Tigo, we used to have chicken nuggets probably once a week, and I used to take the skin off it, put that aside, and eat the chicken nuggets, and then save the it's going to the end to do it in plum sauce. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we made these um, things at the show this weekend that were um, basically like, they're called boneless wingers, but it's basically a nugget that's um, moulded into the shape of a chicken wing, and then they come with like barbecue sauce or honey and maple sauce, but it's supposed to be like game night food. And you can oh, feel the no. adult eating them being like, Yum, you can finally eat nuggets and it's legit as an adult. The fact they shape them into wings is kind of creepy. <laughs> when I um when I was living in Paris, uh looking after a, a little boy, I'd make he was, you know, a typical seven year old and loved nuggets. And I'd make him his six and I'd cook six for me and I'd um put them in the pockets of my uh, coat that was <laughs> hanging at the front door and take them home to share with Millie. Like we were so, so poor. Those nuggets kept us alive. <laughs> Were they called Chicken Nugget because you're in France? I think they had a uh, – do you, Alice speaks a little bit of – you know, more than a little bit of French. Is there – can you think of the French word for nugget? I don't know. I don't know the French word for nugget. Nugget de poulet, perhaps. We're coming close to the end. Polly has a very important meeting. But I wanted to ask her if you were to recommend a sort of early autumn recipe for, um, for the people – Cooking for say ten, something easy, you know, that's going to make the crowd happy. What would you go with? Okay, I made it the other day for seven. It is actually this was inspired by Sophie when she sent me the harissa paste from Fatima's, and it is a slow cooked lamb shoulder, harissa lamb shoulder, um, and it's, it's got like so a yum. harissa orange glaze and chili, and it is outstanding. And then I would do some, if you if you were worried about the timing side, I would do boiled potatoes rather than roasted potatoes. No, I still do roasted potatoes. Um, and then I served that with a big salad, and I would I could not recommend that more. That would be a, be so, a crowd so pleaser. And actually some like some sort of nice sourdough to go on the side, just mop oh, the yeah. sauce up. Double carbs, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and the one... The one thing I wanted to, to go out on is because we, we used the info in the recipe with Freedom Farms. How do we keep our pork sort of loin steaks juicy? Don't overcook them. Treat it like a beautiful piece of steak, right? Yeah. It's so, it's, uh, yeah, people need to learn more about pork because it's so enjoyable when it's juicy. Um, especially a pork loin. That pork loin red curry situation is a good time. I had a really stunning piece of pork at Mr. Morris, uh, Mr. Morris on Saturday night. Millie and I were gifted uh, a night away from the children. We went to have staycation downtown. And Mother's Day, Millie didn't have to do any mothering. 
Um, but that restaurant, as Sophie has talked about before, is absolutely stunning. And the pork with pineapple sauce. Oh. Yeah, that's the hero. So fatty. It's like fatty incredible, and isn't it? What cut? It's the collar. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and what's really amazing and it's got about Mr. Pineapple Morris. reduction. What's really amazing about Mr. Morris is the barbecue, the way they use fire and smoke. And they have the most incredible extractor fan going the whole time. But in the morning, I smelled my t shirt and it had been like I'd been at a barbecue of the boys, you know, like standing around the sausages for two hours. And that type of cooking makes such a big difference. Yum. So shout out to Juicy Medium Rare Pork. <laughs> Delicious. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us, Sophie. Um, I want you here on time next, uh, <laughs> yeah, next so. episode. So, um, nice to chat to you too. Oh. Thank you, Alice. And also we've got thank Alice you. on the ones and twos, producing and replacement of Tina today. It's a different Alice. I'm not doing everything. I always um, freak out every time I have to say Alice's surname because we always fuck it up. I'm going to go with Webladol. Nailed it. Yeah, got it. Jane Yee is in charge of the Spinoffs Podcast Network. We've got Has Beats on the Beats as we disappear. Uh, like, share, subscribe, and go and follow Miss Polly's Kitchen and get into her DMs. <laughs> God. But be polite. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Kia ora. Bye. Bye. Kia ora e te iwi, Te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.